I want to begin with a, a question that so many of you, probably everyone is, a, is aware of this question, right? You have a glass and... <laughs> right, is, it, is it a half empty or is it half full? Half <laughs> full. Exactly, and that's usually the, the... Sometimes it's the common thing is, can we see that it's half full rather than half empty? But we're going to go the other, other direction and say, it's so great to see that it's half empty. <laughs> <laughs> and this fits so well with this notion of emptiness that you find in uh, uh, many schools of Buddhism. Because seeing that things aren't as full as we think they are can be so wonderful. Mm. To notice there's actually, look at, there's, some, there's still space in the glass. Isn't that nice? Mm. <laughs> it's not full. Oh, I can feel the relief of that. There's, there's some, some space here. And in terms of this path and this practice, that's part of what we're uh, beginning to do towards experience. Can we see that experience is more empty than sometimes what we make it out to be? And often, especially in, in Theravada Buddhism, it start to become curious about how experience is empty of a self. Or more importantly, how, how experience is empty of all the complications and ideas and perceptions that we can impose upon it that really aren't there or are misguided in some way. And it's that filling up. It's the filling up of the glass that we do with our minds that sometimes causes entanglement or confinement for myself and, and or for others. So, for example, once upon a time, my glass was very full of myself. <laughs> and, uh, I'll try to get rid of it a little bit right now. <laughs> and and I, I, the, the place I find this sometimes is when I'm interacting with other people, sometimes, especially with people that I think that are very different than me. And I was speaking with a family member, a distant family member of mine a number of years ago. And uh, this is a family member who had worked on the federal level. He was part of a think tank for a, 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 an administration that I was not, wouldn't, I was going to say not very supportive of, I was not supportive of at all. <laughs> and uh, we started to discuss just politics and economic policy, and, and it was more in this general sense but I, I knew, I knew what his political views were because of the work he did. I mean, he worked very closely with his administration, and and that was his livelihood for many years. And I, uh, I started to kind of share more on a kind of philosophical level, just kind of a critique of kind of certain economic policies and political policies. And he stopped me. I guess I was not being as subtle as I thought I was. <laughs> And what he said was so revealing. He said, Brian, just because I worked for that administration doesn't mean that I agreed with everything that they did or everything that they thought. It was such a great lesson for me. Because what I had done is, is I had come to him with my glass completely full of my ideas of who he was and what he thought. The, the key words that I use is, I felt like I knew I knew what his views and perspectives were. 
I was filled with those ideas. And, and there's the confinement, the entanglement that happened. And so one way of seeing this practice is it is a kind of emptying out. And emptying out so I can truly listen to another person, especially the people who I think I know. It's so often the trickiest thing. Or you could say, just to simply empty, empty out, to truly be present with another being, or to be present with myself or the natural world. What a beautiful thing to offer that, to offer the world rather an empty glass rather than a full one. Yesterday and Friday I had a chance to be out in the woods and mm-hmm. oh, so beautiful. We live in such a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And that's where this quality of emptying out for me is so poignant. Because when there's less of me, I feel like there's more intimacy with the natural world, like I'm there for it. And maybe you can relate to this. You know, when, when there's less of quote unquote you with your ideas and constructions and perceptions. You're there for the beauty of it. You're there for the even the snow, the cold, the warmth, the sunlight, the wind. The plants and the beans, from the birds to the animals. And for me, when my mind is filled, even with like, sometimes I'm getting excited about being out there in the woods, and the mind is just spinning about how I would describe it. And there it is, it's like the glass is getting fuller and fuller, and then I can feel the separation. Have you ever experienced that? Which is different than just being there. To empty out, to, to really see the, both the pleasant and the not-so-pleasant aspects of, of being out there. And uh, there was a great Chinese poet from the uh, 8th century, Li Bai or Li Bo, one of the great uh, poets of Chinese poetry. And I feel like he speaks to this process in this simple poem. He, he says, The birds have vanished into the sky, and now the last cloud drains away. We sit together, the mountain and me, until only the mountain remains. The birds have vanished into the sky, and now the last cloud drains away. We sit together, the mountain and me, until only the mountain remains. For me, that's a beautiful description of when I'm not imposing so much of my teeny little ideas onto the natural world. There's a way of disappearing and having that that, that that intimacy with this beautiful world that we live in. Lily, could you let those folks know they can come on in if they want to do So this quality, this quality of when there is less of me, more intimacy, and some of you might have noticed this um, in the 
There was a Chinese landscape uh, painting there on the, the computer there. There's also some, Michelle, there's some chairs here too, if you all want to sit with some chairs, uh, chairs back there too. Yeah. But did you notice what the, in, in the, chance, uh, the Chinese uh, landscape painting, uh, did you see the, the figures, the small human figures in there, if you were to look closely? Um, if you look closely, there are really small human beings in that picture. But what I so appreciate is how small they are. They're, 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 they're engulfed in this, this vast kind of landscape, this beautiful landscape of the natural world. And the human being is so small in this vast mm. landscape. Mm. And to me, it, it, it gives this, oh, I, there's something that, that, that resonates for me of that proportion that I find really striking. Because what pops out then is the natural world rather than so often what I see is just kind of reflections of humanness. And to me, that's what cities are all about. Doesn't it feel like that? We have payment. We have images of different people. And it's only when you go out to, into the woods, and if you notice that word, that, that something different gets reflected. And this is this quality of emptying out when instead of the glass being full, when it's empty, more empty, there's more intimacy. And emptying out so I can be with other people and emptying out so I can be with the natural world. So what are the complications that we're emptying out? You could say it's my fixed ideas, as in the first story, about other people. This idea like, oh, I know somebody. I see him and I'm like, oh, I, I know that person. And it can be so deep to empty those out or at least to see them. Or it could be the obsessive grasping that I was talking about. You're out in the woods, you're with somebody, and you're so excited, you're just caught up in your thoughts rather than being there. Or there's a, there's a subtle pushing away of, of not fully entering with someone, like you have an idea, and almost kind of an aversion or a blocking. And all of these kind of movements of the heart and mind center around me, my ideas. And I want to point out that even this emptying out can be in relationship to myself. For example, I'm worried. I have some morning where I wake up in the morning and I feel worried, or I go to bed at night and I wake up in the middle of the night worried. And it can feel like that's the thing I need to empty out, is the feeling that I'm worried. And it feels so different to see if there can be space around that, that I can see, oh, yeah, there's some water in the glass, there's some worry there, but can I touch the space around it so I can be with it? So I can have an intimacy with it, just like the natural world. To see what it feels like. Oh, worry feels like this. To have a sense of compassion. Oh, no wonder there's worry. Can I allow the heart to soften? That's the first thing I want to point out about this, this process of emptying out. It's not necessarily about getting rid of so actively. It's about how I'm relating to experience more than trying to just obsessively try to get rid of what's there. How do I see it differently? How can I be with it differently? Whatever it is, whether it be a person or an emotion or the natural world, 
ah, ah, this is, this is a different way of being with it. This is the process of emptying out. And hopefully you're hearing when I'm talking about this process of emptying out. It's not like we're trying to get to a place where there's nothing there. It's, it's more, for me, it's about creating the container to receive. For example, with that family member who I thought had different political views than me. Oh, what's it like to be in a space where there's more space for me to receive what's in front of me? To, uh, so to imagine it like this, that we have this glass and we're just seeing if we can create more space rather than, than to get rid of something. So how to create this container that's more spacious, that can receive, that is this process of emptying out. And I think it it has these uh, two qualities of openness and curiosity. This past week I was listening to, I was listening to someone I've known for quite a while and they were kind of sharing this story or these stories around this certain narrative in their life that's really important to them that I have a hard time resonating with. And usually, I'll just be honest, I'm kind of judgmental about it. Just there's a you know, way of relating to life that, that I can't get on board with. And uh, what I started to notice is um, with this this intention to empty out in a particular way, which is, can I enter into their world? Can I just fully inhabit their world and see what that's like? And it made such a difference to hang out with this person, to be like, oh, 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 this is what your world's like. Oh, this is what you get excited about. And to fully inhabit that world. And I could feel when I had that intention, there was less judgment. I didn't have the judgment about their world. It was just their world. And to me, it was this opening up to the importance of, to me, what, what this Monday night about is about also is the practice of, of really opening to multiplicity. As I mentioned before on Monday nights, we're here to cultivate this community where there's multiple perspectives and to see that there's a way of having community around a spiritual path that really honors multiple perspectives. But it requires me to have this skill to enter into a different world. And I want to be clear, when I enter into a different world, it doesn't mean that I'm agreeing or disagreeing. It means I'm open. Because often my mind can get confused. It can feel like, for me to be open, that means I need to agree. No, it doesn't. It just means I need to be open and to be curious about what that perspective is. And this fits into... uh, a particular kind of complication that our minds do, do does that uh, the Buddha talked about, and he had a, a specific specific word for it. It was idang sacha uh, sacha and this Pali word, Pali being the early scriptural language of Buddhism, is translated as "only this is true," and often what follows that is this phrase, "and everything else is worthless." <laughs> And if your mind's like my mind, maybe you know that, right? <laughs> this is the thing that's true. <laughs> Everything else, this is, the, this is the right perspective. And there are definitely 
you know, arenas of my life that are especially emotionally charged where it feels that way. A lot of the times where it has more of a charge, I get this sense of, oh, only this is true. And yet I, I can't enter another world. I can't, my glass is so full. I, there's no openness. There's no curiosity. And it can take, I think, a kind of courage to do this. And I know this is an extreme example, but I, I, I found it inspiring. There's a, a man who lives in Denver by the name of Theo Wilson, who um, I think was more thrown into this situation. He was, um, he was talking a lot about uh, 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 police brutality and uh, the result of his own experience and then a friend's experience of of dying from that. And as a result of that, a lot of the things that he was sharing got this reaction from the alt-right, from, from uh, people that, that kind of white, white nationalists. And his curiosity, I thought, was amazing. What he did is he, he um, took on a persona and started to join their forums and to really understand about that perspective. And he said, of course, it was incredibly difficult being a black man being undercover in hearing what they were saying. And yet what he discovered, which he said was really interesting, is that their perception, and I'm not saying this is, again, this isn't about right or wrong, he said their perception was, is, oh, here are these white males that feel like they're hated because how they were born. And then he had this thing of like, oh, I can so relate to that, <laughs> being a black man. And he was really clear, the historical unfoldings of both of those are radically different and have very different unfoldings in terms of that. So he's not equating them at all, because I think there would be something really dangerous about that. But it was a thread of connection and a very hostile and volatile conversation. So sometimes in the, in the most surprising places, we can find connection. We can enter another world. And again, I want to be clear, it's not about agreeing. It's about understanding. <clears throat> this is what this practice of emptying out, I feel, has the potential for us. To me, that's real freedom. That allows something different to emerge. So emptying out, creating a container that can receive. And also around emotion. How do you create a container that can receive especially difficult emotion? And not only difficult emotion, but positive emotion. Because sometimes I feel like I'm really receiving the joy in my life, but I'm just lost in it. It's like I'm not there for the fullness of joy. I'm not there for the fullness of the feeling of contentment that might be there in my life at times. I can skip over it. I want to be clear, it's sometimes it's, it's big emotion on both sides of the, the spectrum. How do we do that? What's the, what's the process? It's very similar to how we relate to other people. And there's a poem that I, I feel exemplifies this movement of emptying out, of, of creating the container that can receive around emotion. It's a, it's a poem entitled, Heavy. And it begins, the time 
I thought I could not go any closer to grief without dying. I went closer and I did not die. Surely God has his hand in this as well as friends. Still, I was bent and my laughter, as the poet said, was nowhere to be found. Then said my friend Daniel, it's not the weight you carry, but how you carry it. Books, bricks, grief, it's all in the way you embrace it, balance it, carry it, when you could not and would not put it down. So I went practicing. Have you noticed? Have you heard the laughter that comes now and again out of my startled mouth? How I linger to admire, admire the things of this world that are kind and maybe also troubled. Roses in the wind, the sea geese on the steep wave, a love to which there is no reply. Maybe that's what it is to empty out. Maybe that's what it is to create a container that receives. Is it's about how you hold it. Right? It's not in the weight that you carry, but how you carry it. Whatever the emotion is. Can you learn the skill that we're trying to do within meditation to relate to emotion differently, to learn how to be with it, to make a container so that it can feel okay being there? And I think grief especially is so important around this just because you know, so many of you felt this. It's just how pervasive sometimes grief can be, especially in those early times of grieving where it feels like it pervades our life to create a space for a different relationship to that. And I so appreciate the ending of it's not like everything is all pleasant, right? It's the mixture. The, the image of roses in the wind gives me the, the mixture of beauty and also trouble. And, and, and she talks about that, that things are kind and troubled. So to empty out, to be with others, to be with ourselves in this manner. Creating a container that can receive in this way. Tonight in our meditation, I invite you to see if you can get a feeling for what it feels like to empty out. And I want to be clear, it's not about getting rid of. It's about relating to what's there differently. Whether it's even just the breath, what is it like to, to feel, to become intimate with the breath? It's like there's less of you there. It's just, it's just the breath breathing itself. 
or if a sound happens or you end up feeling too cold or too hot to get close to it rather than being in contention with that experience. If there's sleepiness or agitation or nervousness, what's it like to have space for that as we do that? That kind of emptying out that creates the container that can receive. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.